0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to discover all of our previous episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter at irish underscore tech news and on Facebook at facebook.com slash irishtechnews. Thanks and enjoy the listening.
1: Today's Irish Tech News Podcast is presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard, and you can follow me on Twitter at TECDR. Hi there, welcome to today's Irish Chickens podcast. Today we're doing a podcast about uh, Ac- Axial 3D, D medical product software app that is actually used in conjunction with AWS. So, uh, guys in the podcast, please introduce yourselves to me, please.
2: Yes, so uh, delighted to be here running.
0: Roger Johnson, I'm CEO of Axial 3D. Good to meet you. Hi, uh, thanks very much indeed for having us. My name is Tim Brown, I'm a transplant surgeon in the City Hospital in Belfast.
1: Great to have you both on here. So tell us from, uh, from the beginning, what does Axial 3D actually do? So
2: our mission in life is to, is to transform complex surgeries. We provide uh, micromillimeter precise patient-specific anatomical models. We turn traditional 2D images such as MRI or CT scans that are often hard to read uh, or understand, not only for patients, but also, as, as Tim might explain, uh, even f- from from highly trained doctors and surgeons, and turn those into micro-millimeter precise 3D models that can either be printed, 3D printed, or can be viewed on a, on a viewer or in a virtual reality headset or, or whatever. And, and our aim is to bring clarity and insight that's not necessarily available from those 2D images for, for complex surgeries
1: so I'm guessing Tim that could mean basically when you're looking at tumors you get a more ex- exact precise location of where they are and how bad they are how good they are yeah um,
0: no, it's, yeah absolutely it's got a huge huge uh, application for oncological surgery so tumors um, and spread and things like that but it's it's not just tumors it's vasculature yeah um, uh, it's, it's there's, there's been a few things since we started this journey with Excel, which has been going on for about three years um we've we've it started out with yes pure anatomy and how do we define a problem but in actual fact it's now spread its wings spread its wings a little bit further um in terms of patient education and reduction of unwanted variation of interpretation even as roger says between doctors so what we've got is the traditional way of looking at um, anatomy is with um, two-dimensional imaging uh, on a CT scan for example or an MRI scan and doctors are highly trained at looking at these things but everybody has a different interpretation of what they're looking at um, what we do is we send these images over to Exil, who then just change it all around and turn it into a three-dimensional image and send it back to us in a model which we can pass around each other um, and therefore, any variation in the interpretation of the two-dimensional imaging is completely wiped out, and we now know exactly what each of us are looking at. Um, so that's been that's been a huge advantage. And um, the second advantage is is um, although we as doctors are trained to look at these two-dimensional CT scans, patients uh, aren't, and there's only. Uh, the, I mean, trying to interpret your own pictures, looking at a CT scan, if you're if you're a, if you're a patient, is impossible. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, whenever I have a patient in the clinic, sat with me, and I'm trying to talk through very complex anatomy and um, things that will in, uh, that will impact their lives, possibly end their lives, uh, and they have to make a decision on on what what advice I give them. Um, what these images and these models now do is really empower the patient by giving them autonomy over their decision-making. And I think that's a, that's a huge advantage that we didn't even realise existed before we started out, as I say, on this journey. Um, when I hand a patient one of these 3D models, they know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. And they're then able to take the advice that I give them and weigh it up in their own minds. And I, I just think that's a hugely powerful thing for a, for a patient to have uh, at their disposal. Because I guess in the
1: past, right, I've looked at Dr. Google and said what yeah. was on there. And uh, I've not past people do that, go to Google and, and find out what's going on. And all they see is the bad news. They don't want to see the positives.
0: Yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, as well as that, they don't see their... Pay- so what we're at here is, re- this is really cutting edge in terms of, this is patient-specific. These, th- this is not just dr. Google says you've got a tumor of your bile yeah this is giving this is giving them a picture of their own bile with their own tumor in it or their own liver or their own thyroid gland or their own kidney or whatever it's their own pictures yeah it's not just something that's ripped off the internet this is their own data um, which is which is which is what it makes it so powerful
1: and for me because it's 3d you can actually show them exactly where it is and if when you going to do surgery, you can tell them how might impacting them, but because they can see the image, they're not they're gonna be more reassured.
0: Well, yeah, reassured but understanding and um, there's an old one of my old mentors used to use this phrase, Scientia Vincit Timorem, it's Latin yes. for knowledge conquers fear. Um, so when they go into an operation and I've already given them all the scary risks behind it, if they're in the knowledge of what it is I'm in I'm trying to do or attempting to do for them then that conquers their fear and that's my hope anyway and certainly the patient reported outcomes for the various times we've used these is very very positive so it's 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 really really good for our patients.
1: You mentioned earlier that that certain doctors would see 2D image and all give different interpretations like if you go to a, a, a lawyer each lawyer has their own view of interpreting what the law is.
0: Yeah exactly right so the way that I The way I explain it whenever I'm talking about this is we all like watching James Bond at Christmas. Yeah. Um, if you were to read a James Bond book and it's, um, uh, and I read James Bond and I've got a picture in my head and it looks a bit like Sean Connery and then I hand you the book and you read the book and it looks a bit like Daniel Craig and then you hand the book to Roger and yeah. he, ra- he reads it and he interprets it as Roger Moore, so we, we're reading the same data, yeah. we're reading the same information off the page but in our minds we've got very different um, uh, interpretations of what the images look like. So um, when we when we actually put it on screen and turn it into a 3D image, then that takes away all the variation in our own interpretation.
1: And Roger, how, how uh, important is it that you get the 3D imaging right?
2: Well, of course, it, it, it's critical. Um, all of our software has to be fully clinically validated, and not only in terms of its accuracy, but actually the F- and safety and, and benefits that it yeah. brings. So we're in a range of uh, and have been over over a number of years going through various clinical trials, demonstrating that the value that it brings in surgical planning or the patient education. But also every single model that we produce uh, gets the, the the precise dimensions of it compared to the scans that we've received get gets checked off. There, there's no room for error in, in the, the production of our models.
1: And I guess basically for you, the important thing is because it, it's kind of cloud-based as well with AWS, it's easier to actually use it. So I, I think back uh, uh,
2: when I started technology and we were mainframe based, and then we went to many computers and yeah. and so on, n- none of this would really have been possible or it would have been so complex to deploy the, the infrastructure needed to to build applications such as this. The AWS platform for us brings a number of of really unique benefits that that enables this to happen. First of all, because it's cloud-based, the surgeons or medical teams can consume our application without needing to deploy any new software, any new networks, any new hardware in the the hospital. And uh, as you probably know, when you try and put any new software or hardware into a hospital, there's a very lengthy process to get that that accepted. So I could have a new surgeon submitting a model to to Axial 3D within a couple of minutes of registering on the website, on the portal. And and that's down to this being cloud infrastructure. Secondly, the AWS tooling, it has the most powerful uh, AI machine learning uh, platform on the planet with SageMaker. Mm -hmm. And that's allowed us to build sophisticated algorithms, train them with massive volumes of labeled 2D images and create this incredibly accurate uh, solution. On average, our algorithms get 99.9x percent of pixels right yeah. when turning the 2D into 3D. As a final big benefit for us, we are serving hospitals and surgeons around the world. And as you know, the, the management of patient data is, is a huge security and privacy issues. Yep. And yep. most hospitals or healthcare ecosystems don't want their patient data leaving their country or their region. So with AWS, they have what they call AWS regions, but combinations of data centers in all of the major countries and regions around the world. So we're able to run our algorithms and our applications in the local region where the surgeon is located. And therefore, the medical data never leaves that country, which gets, in terms of things like HIPAA compliance or GDPR, any of these these regulations that are either information privacy or, or healthcare specific, we're able to adopt those w- with a level of ease uh, that, that just wouldn't be possible without public cloud.
1: Yeah, earlier you mentioned that you, you first worked years ago with mainframes. I remember back then when we had dumb terminals, now with the cloud, we're now getting back to the idea of having a dumb terminal that links into the cloud, but dumb terminals now are more, are more advanced than they ever were.
2: Uh, absolutely, my first dumb terminals, uh, I remember my first job in 1986, we were in an enclosed room and we had six of the IBM uh, dumb terminals and we all came to work in our shorts and T-shirts because of the heat. Yeah. So they were much more heating systems than they perhaps were functioning terminals. So I think being able to consume our content on whether it's a desktop or, or much more importantly, a mobile uh, uh, technology, Where so whether it's a phone or an iPad, I think that is very, very empowering. And again, if you imagine when, when someone like Tim is looking at a 2D image, on a small screen, that like an iPad or, or yeah. a, a, a smartphone, you're turning a hard-to-understand image into something that's probably impossible because of the, the pure form factor of, of the UX. Yeah. With the 3D models, that suddenly becomes much more viable to, to get the true meaning of, and still be able to collaborate or use or empower the surgeon, even if they're they're mobile. They can look at the at the image on their smartphone or, or or tablet and still get huge insight that otherwise wouldn't be possible.
1: Yeah, well, Tim, for me, I'm I'm looking at when you're actually on the wards. In fact, you got a tablet or a phone you're by Everything you log onto computer, you can you can do it on the go.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as I mean, Rogers used a lot of big words that I don't understand. There. Yeah. For me, as the user, what that translates into is I get a I get a scan of a guy who's got a complex tumor of his kidney. I push a couple of buttons and send the data and a day later or even that day I get a 3D reconstruction on my iPod and then I get a hard copy of it the next day. It is so slick. It is so easy. I don't even have to think about it. It is such a ridiculously easy interface. Um, and that that to me is the value. I mean, I, I don't want to have to wait around to be able to do things. It is so so quick, so yeah. slick, so professionally done. It's exactly what I want as a user and end user.
1: And if you're dealing with a patient who's always in bed, can't get out of bed, you have to drag them over to a computer when you can just show them on your iPad, pull it out or your, or your smartphone, and that's them, they can see where they are, which is great.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and I mean the the emergency applications because of the speed of what how, how they're able to deliver this, the applications aren't just for elective surgery, which is sort of planned and we've we have a couple of a couple of weeks to think about this and scratch our scratch your heads. Um, you can do this for emergency trauma surgery for anything at all now because yeah. of the the ease of the interface. All right, and uh, oh.
1: And uh, uh, I guess that with this product as well, basically, you can plan in advance what surgery you're going to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the first case that we did was a really interesting case. Uh, It was a young girl who really, really desperately needed a kidney transplant, and her dad was going to give her his kidney. And when we worked her her father up, uh, we found that he had a tumour within the kidney itself. So um, because she was so difficult to find a match for we, we, we identified her father as a suitable match and she was extremely difficult to find a suitable match for uh, but when we worked up her father we found out that he had a tumour in his kidney
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, what we were able to do was then get the 3D model and I, as you said we were able to plan it in advance so I was able to send the images to a couple of colleagues around the world to see what their approach to the case would have been uh, we came up with a consensus and a an operative plan then we used the 3D image to guide us to remove the tumour on the back bench before reconstructing the kidney and then transplanting it. So we cured her because of her kidney failure, and we cured him because he had a tumour in his kidney, um, all with the use of the 3D model. So it was a superb, um, superb game. It was game changer from us, uh, so that we could t- treat these two patients. And that was that was really the first case that we saw the the potential uh, that this technology had. Ronan, actually, it's it's one of the
2: things that is amazing to us. We collect data from every surgeon who uses our models. And of course, it's for complex surgery. But the surgeons tell us that in over 50% of cases, they change their plan for surgery when they use a 3D model in the planning as opposed to just relying on the 2D. So it's over 50% change their surgical plan that's an awe-inspiring number and it, that doesn't of course mean they get it wrong, they, previously they'll get it wrong in maybe in 50% of cases, what it meant was they were having they didn't have the certainty as Tim was saying, there was different interpretation, so they were bringing multiple plans into the surgery to cover for different eventualities and therefore it was only when they finally opened the patient up that they get that fa- or complete level of insight now we've removed that ambiguity or largely removed that ambiguity and therefore that precision and planning can be fundamentally changed and that's that's an awe-inspiring thing for us it
1: gets us up out of bed every morning with with that type of opportunity As i guess in the past uh, when we were using this they would have seen a 2d image and that's that's great it doesn't them enough and when they open up the body and they're seeing in 3d in real life they're suddenly going to think what what we we're going to do now is change to something else the the, the campy plan. I got to go ahead and do something else on on the health, which at times mightn't be great.
0: Yeah, it, it I mean it gives us it, it gives us a preview of what we're going to see. Yeah. Um. And and that's that's invaluable, as anybody could recognise. Yeah.
1: So I guess you can then think we we're either going to go with plan. ABF you can then decide to do more than one plan according to this. So you got plan yeah. A, B, and C, and if the image says you, oh, this this tumour is bigger than we thought it was. We, we, we talk about how it is bigger than that, you can plan for that. And then you think, oh, it could be a bit small, maybe the, the aim, maybe it's it's, it's it's a trick of the mind that what we're seeing isn't as big as it is, we can do uh, we can do another way of doing it. But at least prepare for all eventualities.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It gives you contingency, uh, and that's hugely valuable whenever you're you're performing sort of complex surgery. Yeah.
1: Because for me, looking at this, because of the fact you've got AWS and everything else involved, and also... You can talk to other doctors around the world and maybe use previous data from other doctors. The AI can more or less point you towards a certain way as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Tim, what I was going to say is one of the things, Ronan, is our system is learning the yeah. whole time. So whether it be Tim speaking to one of his peers, doing something similar and using our models elsewhere in the world, but our system learns from every single occasion where a surgeon uses one of our models so we're constantly updating our algorithms with with new uh trusted data so the precision is going up and up and up uh for more and more pathologies which is is really very very exciting
1: and for me i'm guessing much of that when the, the, the doctor does surgery, surgery surgery he efforts keen in data of what went what happened in the surgery so that that the product can always <laughs> learn from that
2: Absolutely. And so not only in terms of things such as getting the precision of the imagery, but maybe as, as Tim was alluding to earlier, interesting things might be if I find a clot or an aneurysm, not just knowing there's a clot, but knowing exactly where it is and what the dimensions of it is and even what the density of it is and how far it is. From the point in your groin where you're going to insert a catheter, so all that type of information, yeah. which is just impossible to derive from a 2D image, is now possible from, from this much more rich, micromillimeter accurate 3D
1: volume. I guess in the past, when you're going to doctor get a surgery done, they're going to tell you, "Well, there's a slight chance this could happen, that could happen." But now, with 3D images, they know that that won't happen because they can guarantee. But well, what's there? How to get around that?
0: Yeah, we can do and I'll, I'll, I'll use another case, um, a real life case. When I, So I, I went through a hugely complicated operation with a patient and he's, he, he just wasn't getting it. So I brought him back a week later and we had a model for him the week okay. later and I explained it using the model and it was a hugely risky case but it would have been something that we would have undertaken. But armed with the model and armed with the understanding... The patient then said actually do you know what doc thanks very much but i don't want surgery now yeah. because it had shown him exactly what was going on and he didn't he he, he was able to then process exactly what was going to happen and he said do you know what i don't think we should do this and that's his attitude that's his autonomy yeah and that's his decision and it's again i use the word powerful i don't use that word lightly it was a really powerful moment to see how this patient's um patients decision making had been changed I think for the right reasons uh using this model it was it was an incredible moment for me
1: yeah, for example, Lee, for Ronan,
0: example I was
2: going to say our models are used also if I use the same yeah way of thinking only maybe multiply it by another factor of 10 our models are used by a lot of uh, pediatric cardiac surgeons so amazing surgeons who are who are providing life-threatening or uh, services to to try and avoid life-threatening conditions that young babies have. If you imagine you're a first-time parent and it's not you that's wrong, it's your 6- or 12-week-old baby who you've been told has this heart problem and you're barely confident enough to hold your baby, let alone make a decision about some complex procedure that might happen. That is, a, having the ability to have a model is a very, very uh, uh, empowering thing for that communication. We actually had a beautiful case in a Dublin children's hospital where the surgeon had, the surgical team were not, they couldn't find a way of operating on this young baby. And they were just about to have the conversation with the parents to say, we're really sorry, but. And the surgeon said, you know what? I'll get one of those 3D models and just check. Two weeks later, the baby was operated on. They'd found a way to actually con- oh. conduct the survey yeah. or the, the, the procedure, the basically uh, path. And that was just the insight that this provided. So a really beautiful, heartwarming story, but it is that level of insight that that otherwise wasn't available.
1: Because I guess at times, if you're dealing with surgery and if I was going to your nerve endings, you're not going to, you, you can't guarantee that you might uh, that you might cause problems in the nerve endings. Whereas now, a three D model, you knows exactly where to you know exactly where to cut in and cut out to avoid uh, any damage to the nerve endings, for example.
0: Uh, I don't know that it gives us that sort of degree. Um, nerve endings are real microscopic. I mean, we can get down to the micromillimeter and yeah. the tumor, down to one, one or two millimeters. In terms of the nerves going in, in through skin, and um, I mean, the big nerves, yeah, absolutely, you can see the big nerves, but the little ones in the skin, unfortunately, we still can't see just yet. So, yeah, what you've alluded to is this condition called neuropathic pain. Yeah. Occasionally that does happen to us, and it would be lovely to find a way of avoiding these, but we're, we're just not there yet.
1: No, I think maybe in the future, this technology will, will as it improves over time, you'll find a way. Like right now with robotic surgery, you're doing things you couldn't do 20 years ago. And I think with this, in 20 years' time, you'll be doing what you couldn't do now.
0: Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think robotic surgery still has, uh, is still looking for um, uh, for. For a good application, we yeah. we think we've got a couple certainly in the urological world and in the cardiac surgical world. Uh, I don't. I I think robotic surgery isn't quite where we where we want it just yet. Yeah. It'll 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 develop a pace as you say over the next twenty years. And I mean, twenty years ago we weren't doing much laparoscopy, uh, keyhole surgery. Um, yeah. Now pretty much uh, there's there's a vast Vast array, array of laparoscopic surgery that we now perform that we went to 20 years ago. So who knows where we will be in 20 years.
1: Yeah, think of, of when uh, Barnard did the first heart surgery, how things have gone on yeah. since then. Right, right now, you're not going in there worrying, will it come out of this or how long will it live? You know you can live a long, healthy life.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, th- things things move on so rapidly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we welcome that absolutely we embrace our technology and uh, so hopefully someday my job as a surgeon will be obsolete uh, because uh, it would be lovely if we were able to inject some little micro robot that's able to go around and fix tumors without me having to take a big knife and be brutal with somebody it would be it would be much more subtle if we were to be able to inject little nano robots that would be able to cure people from the inside uh, it would be lovely, but who knows, that's maybe pie in the sky thinking.
1: That's a movie I remember in the 60s where someone did that, where they injected people even smaller to go inside. I remember
0: that's that. That's right, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully hopefully, we'll get that someday.
1: Yeah, and it would be interesting if that works, what I mean is that at the moment the surgeon's biggest skill is their hands, and any damage to their hands isn't good, but if, if it's done with robotics, that isn't an issue as such anymore.
0: Well, you still, need the ro- you still need the surgeon to operate the robot.
1: Yeah, you do, but the hands won't be... Because the robot can compensate for anything that's shaky, if you know what I mean, in a certain sense. Am I able to do yeah, that? Yeah, the,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. The robot takes away tremor, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the things. The other good thing about the robot is it's an ergonom- ergonomic um, design, which... Uh, reduces surgeon fatigue I know if I've done a 6 or 7 hour operation afterwards I feel like I've been punched around by Barry yeah. Um. and if I'm sitting uh, sitting at a, at a console that's ergonomically designed for my comfort uh, a 6 or 7 op- hour operation is not going to be nearly quite so difficult so what you're there for looking at is you're getting more longevity out of your surgeons yeah. um, and
1: All
0: right. There are benefits. I don't think they're as they're as high as, as the robotic companies are advertising just yeah. yet. But we're still, we're still searching for the solutions that that the robot can potentially provide.
1: And I, I guess looking in the future, what do you see the future of the, of this of this uh, product is is going to be? I mean, how will it improve over the years?
0: The three D modeling. Yeah. Yeah. My 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 biggest. Uh, I mean there's the two the two um, sort of avenues if you like there's anatomic specificity and preoperative planning that's one but i think the big one that we that we're yet to really fully um, uh, use is patient education. Yeah. I, I think that is a hugely important aspect that we haven't fully explored yet, and um, that's that's I think our next our next goal. Um, the anatomical uh, decision making and preoperative planning uh, we're, we're we're fairly good at um, at the minute. The the patient education is the next big step, but overall it's uptake of this technology and making sure that there's a huge awareness that this is now available yeah. and it's thanks to these these podcasts and things like that that is it's, it's, really, it's really available, it is de rigueur, it, it is it, it's a button push away from actually being available, yeah. so it's getting it out there and getting people to recognise the technology is available for them to make their lives easier
1: And Roger, how is it what future development do you see with this
2: Yeah, so I think there's there's exciting developments uh, over and above even what what Tim's suggesting. Mm-hmm. I think printer 3D printer technology, uh, as 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 you and your audience will know, the the historically the analogy was 3D printing was, was like mainframe computing. Okay. It was expensive. You needed uh, typically maybe a quarter or half a million dollars for a printer. It needed specialist environmental control uh, and all of the things that we used to have with mainframe data centers. And now we're getting to where Moore's law of 3D printing has got, instead of spending a quarter of a million on a printer, I can now buy a printer for maybe $4,000 that can sit on a surgeon's desk. And it still needs a little bit of skill to be able to change the resin trays and so on. Now, not only does that bring it to to a consumerization uh, potential, the cost per model goes down dramatically. Yep. The accessibility, where I could have multiple of these in a hospital at the point of care. Things like the speed of the of the printers is, is going up, again, in line with Moore's Law. So we can now produce uh, prints on these desktop printers within one or two hours, making it ex- accessible to virtually every surgery or the majority Yeah. for those surgeries where we can't make the print available we had a fantastic example this week or last week from barts uh in london and they they had a a um a lung tumor where the surgeon at 10 o'clock in the morning phoned us up and said i'm operating at 12 i've got a concern i'm not sure i'm doing the right thing or I have enough clarity to make the decision so he sent us the the ct scan and we got a photo back from him at quarter to 12, the same an hour and a half later yeah. with him using our image on a screen in the surgery as he to complete his planning. Having that turnaround so that virtually, whether it's a stroke or an urgent trauma or whatever it happens to be, where we could turn this around at least an electronic image in minutes if uh, as opposed to now maybe it takes a couple of hours, that opens this up to tending to 100% of surgical procedures, and that becomes incredibly uh, empowering for the world, especially if we can consumerize the
1: price. And because, as you said, technology is always improving, coming down in price, for example, a tablet of 10 years ago, an iPad 10 years ago, isn't as good as it is now, so you can do a lot more with that technology as well.
2: Absolutely. So I think things like different resin types that can be printed, uh, the speed, uh, having color, all of these things, as you dive down the the consumerization of this technology, become available to the masses as opposed to the few. All
1: right. Okay. Uh, Thanks very much for that uh, enlightening conversation, guys. Uh, Have a great Christmas, Happy New Year and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more in the future about how actual 3D is working and uh, hopefully it's going to save a lot of lives and make our lives a lot easier.
0: Thanks very much indeed, Ronan. Really, really appreciate the opportunity today. It's been really good to talk to you. Happy Christmas to you guys as well.
1: Thanks very much. Talk to you soon, Tim. Take care, Roger, and have a great day. Uh,
0: Thank you, Ronan, for this.
1: No problem. Take it easy. See you then. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. You can sign up for more via our email digest, which does a weekly summary of all our podcasts, or you can follow us on your preferred podcasting platform of choice or follow us on Twitter, Irish underscore Tech News, or Facebook or LinkedIn or the the website irishtechnews.ie. We will bring you more soon, and thanks for listening.